millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hello, and welcome back to the Psych Legal Pop podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about popular culture through the lens of a psychotherapist and an attorney. I'm Brooke Brigham. I'm an attorney. And I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. So today we're going to be talking about the um, Netflix documentary, The Harry and Megan. I'm not sure the exact it's called the exact Harry title of it. Okay, It's mm-hmm. called Harry and Megan. Harry and Megan. Um, which is a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually, uh, episode 12, we did an episode about Meghan Markle, which, you know, talked about Harry, obviously, too, quite a bit. And so when we recorded that, we hadn't seen this yet. Mm-hmm. So we have fresh information. Yes. Fresh meat here. Um, you know, it's six episodes, six hours long. So there's a lot. So we are going to try to, you know... Go through it quickly, highlight some of the things that we didn't know before, because mm-hmm. um, I learned a lot of new things. Yes, I did. Too. So this is the first time that they have had control, a creative control here. Like mm-hmm. the, this is what they were paid $100 million yeah. for to do this and to basically mention it all. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, so what I thought was so interesting when I was thinking about this, watching this, because and I thought, God damn it, is it me? Because... Is it is this Casey Anthony all over again where it's like, yes, I'm seeing this. I'm on your side. I'm with you. Like these I was like, these documentaries are really persuasive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think that right like off the bat, it's just it's so interesting how people feel about Harry and Meghan, especially Meghan, because I remember when we recorded episode 12, Steve, my husband, and also our producer, he was like, oh, did you guys rag on her? And I said, no, not really. I said, you know, if you take a step back and kind of look at the full picture, it's hard to rag on her because nobody knows what it's like. Nobody knows how it feels. Nobody anything. And um, and I, I really do feel like the story is... And this is my whole theory of all of this. Okay. Like, I feel like Harry and Meghan, the, the show, is really, it's not about Meghan, that it was about Harry. Yeah. It's about this boy who 
you know, did not choose this life at all that was born into it. He, he was lucky enough to have this amazing, wonderful mother who was beloved and, and loved, but very much just, you know, his mother that everyone says in the documentary that they had this real connection, that she was very much his son, her son, and that they, they were very, very close. And you're 12 years old and it's like your mother dies, yeah. you know, and, and here you are having to mourn the world. And he was very open and honest about the fact that like, he wasn't allowed to grieve. He wasn't, he didn't have time and they didn't send him to some grief therapist or do any of that. It was like on your way to, you know, go do this interview. And then all these people have to ask you these questions. Like, do you miss your mom? Are you sad? You know? And, and so here he, he kind of has this, you know, he goes off and he finds himself and he finds that being in other cultures and other places in the world away from all of this is really where he shines. And then he meets this woman who's very much like his mother, you know, and he falls in love with her and he, and he's seeing that they're doing to her what they did his own mother. And he swoops in and says, F that, I'll give up anything. Let me go and do this. And I, it's, you know, all he's ever really wanted is to have a family and now he has that i don't know i feel like it's harry's story it I, and i really is. bought into the i mean listen people can think that i am a nut yes i believe casey anthony's story and yes i believe harry and megan's story too right where i do believe these are two people that truly truly love each other and want to be together yeah and want to be together on their terms and i think this is the part that upsets people so much is is that and why they think Harry, I mean, is controlled by Megan is, again, it's it's also about an ambitious woman who wants to do big things. And somehow that's bad. But also, yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, this is about this man who is willing to buck, you know, hundreds, thousands of years, I don't know, of tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I keep looking for reasons to dislike Megan and for me it's really hard and I think a lot of her she has some quirkiness about her that really has nothing to do with um being married to him she's she grew up in LA she was an actress like if you people if you don't know like (laughs) and you know very well yes I I feel like she's your typical like actress who grew up in LA went Mm -hmm. to all the nice schools ran with a you know fancy crowd she just is different. Yes. She's a very, she's not like, you know, Kate Middleton, who was sort of, um, you know, the salt of the earth, British commoner. Yeah. You know, even though she, you know, she, she obviously oh, she went to these fancy yeah. schools and stuff, but, but she wasn't, you know, she wasn't princess material, yeah. you know, in the beginning. And, and actually Megan came into the family from what I saw in this documentary, really trying mm-hmm. trying and no one helped her no one told her what to do she had to figure stuff out yeah trying to wear the right thing do the right thing say the right thing be a certain way around these people and you can tell in the beginning she she has said i've always wanted a big family it was so exciting mm-hmm. to go to the first christmas with all these people and all this activity and 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 harry said i'm just so lucky to have found someone who you know loves me and i love her and she's willing to live this life with me mm-hmm and and they were both like all in it. Yeah, they really were. And you can't blame them. Blame the royal family. I mean, blame that. You know, one of the things that really stuck out 
is, I guess, you know, in a, it, we're focused on racism in the United States. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know a lot about, you know, racism in Europe. Uh, and of course, we're not taught that in school. Mm-hmm. We're not taught very much history unless you really ma- do major in history or, you know, whatever. I was shocked at the extent of the um, slave trade of the British yes. Empire. Yes. And also the fact that it was ran by the uh, royal family. Mm-hmm. Yes. That would be the equivalent of, you know, I know Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, these people own slaves, but they weren't the head of the slave trade. Yeah. You know, it's both, it's all awful, but I mean, it's like, it's taking it up the next level. Yeah. So they're actually next level racist. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, wow, like that kind of explains a lot. Yeah. Well, I want to get back to the whole Megan and Hollywood thing, because I do, I do have some experience yeah. with this and just... This is a thing, and I'm I'm not criticizing actors, but actors are interesting. They're an interesting breed. I have been to parties with actors, famous actors, and they don't, it's interesting, they don't do very well with certain things because you've got to understand, like as an actor, it forces you, you're forced to show up on a set and really be very vulnerable and, and embody a new person, embody a new, you know, uh, identity, and be that for several hours a day, every day, and then and then leave, you know, and leave that. And when you are an actor on a show, you are catered to, you are, you know, things are handed to you, things are given to you. You know, it does, it, it, it is this whirlwind. And I think that that's, you're right, that she being and growing up in Hollywood and being on the set of, right, Fresh Prince and, cause, right, right, married to Mary. Oh, and was married with children. Our father was the lighting director. Oh, yeah, right. I'm yeah. getting that mixed up with someone else. But um, I, I think that just being in that world and being an actor, it, I think that that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of that quirkiness. So when we see her, when people think that she's putting on airs, it's like, no, she's trying to play this part. Right. I think that she's trying to act out her feeling or something. I think that that very much she saw this because she gave up her career to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I think she saw this as, oh, I'm going to give up my career. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, this is my new part. This is my new role. This is how I'm going to play it. This is how I'm going to do it. Right. Even when she was talking about not wearing bright colors Mm -hmm. or anything like that, I think that 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 actor mind, I think that's how she approached it and, mm-hmm. and did it. And so actors are just third. Yeah. She, she grew up differently. She had a different kind of life. And, um, and so she went to some fancy schools mm-hmm. and then, you know, she seemed to have like on the, on the documentary, she has a lot of kind of fancy New York friends mm-hmm. and she, it's just, she's, yeah, but different. she was also, yeah, she grew up in these fancy schools. I don't think she was that um, cause they should, they go to their old house in Miracle Mile and I, I also live there too. I mean, it's not, it, it wasn't like she lived in this fancy neighborhood, mm-hmm. but I think that, that just growing up, I feel like when you grow up in a city like LA or someone who grows up in New York or someone who grows up in San Francisco, right? It's, it's a different, you're different. You're different than the country kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Um, but yeah, and I just thought it was very interesting um, about, I think that they very bluntly talked about how, right, there's this unwritten contract between the institution and the press. And that it was very much from the beginning, the idea is, is that we're paying you, so you get to be our, you know, you, we, 
You have to perform for us. Perform for us. Pose for us. And something. do all of these things for us. And um, and uh, then uh, we'll, you know, we'll write stories about, you know, we'll write nice stories about you or mean stories. So they set it up very early from the beginning that this is how it works. That like, if you're a royal, you don't complain, you do what you're told and, um, you know, you get to live this great, life or whatever it is whatever you think it is that you're 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 okay to be exploited and we do we see a scene of diana going to a a photographer and saying like hey i've given you all these photos like i want to eat lunch with my kids Mm -hmm. like can you just leave us alone you know and again that reporter you could hear the reporter saying like well i wasn't one of those earlier reporters and it's like you know so i'm supposed to please every single one of you people yeah (laughs) all the time and then she becomes, and I think that's also right, the way in which they framed their um, their engagement. It was very much the way our media framed the engagement. It was like, ladies, you know, sorry, yeah, take it. Prince is off the market. Because, again, we have this crazy idea that marrying a prince is what every little girl dreams of. Mm-hmm. And somehow she won, you know, she won. She won the hand of Harry, and therefore that makes her you know, special or makes her this or makes her that. And, but we're already setting it up to want to secretly hate her. Do you know what I mean? It's like the, even very different than, oh, these two people got married (laughs) or these two people are engaged now. And then on top of that, she, you know, she, she's starting, she has this family and with these, you know, Samantha Markle and has these complicated situations and it's just a mess. Yeah. And it, and you know, the, the problem started, you know, well, as soon as they got engaged and, you know, all the way leading up and all mm-hmm. the drama to the point where her father doesn't even attend the wedding, which yeah. is so sad. And Harry said he feels like he shoulders the burden of that because if it wasn't for her marrying him, she'd still have her father. Yeah. And that's yeah. a horrible feeling all around like for everybody everybody involved yeah well one thing i thought was very interesting was that megan you know megan was an activist right Mm -hmm. before she was part of the royals but what was so shocking to to everyone was that the royals apparently only support non-controversial issues Mm. and so and she supported very controversial issues again no one told her (laughs) no one told her that that was a no-no. Um, and I always think that's so interesting because you would think like it's a, such a trope in movies to do the whole makeover training of someone or right. to be a lady, how to do this. And that the fact that there's absolutely no training whatsoever for someone yeah. coming into the family. And I think that's a, re- it's a real setup. It really yeah. is because it's almost like, yeah, we're going to throw you in the deep end and you sink or swim, kid, and um, we're not going to give you any tools or any help whatsoever. And you f- you figure it out. It's like this weird challenge. It is like a challenge. And it's almost like, yeah, like if um, if they, it's almost like they don't even want to acknowledge that it's a it's an institution. Yes. yes. You know, because. If they had to teach you all this stuff and do all this stuff, I think a lot of people would be like, what? It's a job. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 So they don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. So this is the royal family. So yeah. God forbid that you actually write that down in a manual somewhere that you need to do this, this, and this yeah. for people. 
Um, yeah, the whole thing with the dad leading up to the wedding and the, and the letter, and I think that obviously this lawsuit car- gets carried through, mm-hmm. was, you know, they got a hold of the letter that she wrote to her dad and printed it, but then blacked out blacked out parts of it. Yeah, which to make is, her look bad. Yeah, to basically make her look like she's this awful person. And then he's, um, and then she finds out days before about that. And um, and also she said like leading up to the wedding, she was starting, things were starting already. She was getting death threats. She was, you know, it was already starting to get scary. Well, yeah, and the press was already doing racist headlines and I mean, yeah, started right away. Yes. Um, then we get to, well, that's, so that's all the lead up to the engagement and the wedding and all of that. Do you have anything else for that part? Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything new that was revealed in um, episode three. I can't remember. So they have this wedding, which we've all, everyone's seen. It's really beautiful. She looks great. They're very happy. Everything goes, you know, everything's great. They do get into how, and this was always the story, right? Because there's a tale that's told in these stories, which is that Megan is part of this new generation, that the way they had their wedding was different because they had a gospel choir and they had you know, um, Megan gave a speech and all of these things. And, um, it's just interesting to see how, how people react to that because that's change. It's change that she came in and wanted to change some things or be herself. And people got mad. People got upset. And I also think this is the other thing with Harry, which I'm really excited to read Harry's book, Spare. Because I think for Harry too, basically your entire life you've been the spare. Mm-hmm. You you're you're not important. You're meaningless. Like you'll never become king. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. Um, so you're the spare. And I think he was like, okay, great. I'm gonna, just going to do my thing and live my life. And 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 when he does, he marries you know this woman, very independent. And and he's like, okay, I'm going to do my thing. You guys don't care. But it's almost like, well, no, no, no. Wait a second. But even though you're never going to be king and and you'll always be the sideline, we expect you to still do everything we want you to do. Yeah. So. So. Um, and I think this this post-wedding, the tour of Australia, I yeah. think this was so interesting. Well, it was it was it was identical to what happened to, to Diana. Diana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They go on this tour to Australia and she's incredibly popular Mm -hmm. um everybody loves her and so the royals got upset because she was on the cover of every tabloid yeah and they were like wait a minute you know we can't have this yeah you know the principles you know the 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 people who are directly in line to the throne are the people who we want the attention on Mm -hmm. not on you know there you go. These two. She's supposed to be a supporting act, right? That's what they said. She's supposed to be a supporting right. act. She and Harry are, again, back to the spare. He's the spare. You're not supposed to be the star. You're supposed to be over here. And this happens all the time. You know, this does happen where someone gets more attention, more popularity. They're more interesting. And I think that Megan has a bit a bit of what Diana had, which was this relatable 
relatability. relatability. And so, and then they show these clips of Diana talking about how it was almost like she was upset that people were paying attention to her, that people did like her, that, um, that it, because it made, it made Charles upset. Like Charles was mad at her. Right. Because people it's, wanted to shake her hand, not right. his. Yeah, and they were upset that, you know, uh, Harry and Meghan were overshadowing Will and Kate. Yeah. They were supposed, you know, William is the person who's born to do this. We don't want to see Meghan on the front page of everything. Yeah. So then immediately, Meghan becomes a quote unquote diva. That becomes the new story. That that's what happens. And it's just crazy. They they built her up. They talked about her. They raved about her. And then they started tearing her yeah. down. And then the racism began to intensify. Yes. It, um, and sexism. Racism, yeah. sexism, so many things. And poor Megan, she's pregnant on this tour, you know. And so you, you can imagine how crappy you feel when you're pregnant, having to like tour around Australia everywhere. Um, and then you're getting, you know, then you're being told that you're these um, become the Duchess difficult. Yeah. And then they start associating her with drugs, terrorism, crime ridden neighborhoods, you know, making these awful. I don't know. Did we talk about this before that my girl straight out of Compton and um, they're trying the, to portray her as a, the angry black woman? Yeah. That that Brits. What is it? They said Brits won't be overtly racist. Right. But the way in which they're racist is they say things like straight out of Compton or or um, oh, they mentioned another neighborhood, but just associating her with things that are like, you know, oh, you know, she has darker skin terrorism, you know, right. like oh, she grew up in this crime-ridden neighborhood. She's this, she's that. And and she also talked about how, like, in this country, you know, the tabloids are, uh, you know, less believable. Mm -hmm. But over there, they're not. Yeah. She thought that, oh, well, if it's just in a tabloid, like, no one's going to believe this. And then she realized, no, they all believe this. Because there's the royal rota, right? Which is that there are, what, six or seven it's papers. Like the Daily Mail, the Mirror, the Sun. And they point out that of those six or like, seven or eight papers, that only one is a real newspaper. Or right. it's like a real hard-hitting newspaper. That they're all just this kind of crapola. But... Um, because even I sometimes I'll go on the Daily Mail's website and even I'm like, God, this is awful. <laughs> you can't read all this. This is terrible, right? And then the whole thing about trading stories. Yes. So like each principal uh, person in the royal family, the senior royals, you know, they have a whole office that, you know, deals with all of their mm -hmm. PR and um, everything. And like if... If one royal was getting too much negative attention, they would trade a story mm -hmm. from from another royal to get that person off the papers, and yeah, and it was, just, it was all just um, intentional. And Harry, um, I guess Harry was saying a long time ago, he and William had made this agreement that they would never do this. Mm -hmm. But of course, then I think William's office started to doing it, and yeah, and he said the split. This famous split between them was because mm -hmm. William's office broke that promise. Yeah. It wasn't because of Megan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is where she starts to talk about, right? She starts, she said, I start disappearing inside of myself, thoughts of suicide. And I remember the Oprah interview and I, I, I she talked about this, which I thought the, the, I liked how they incorporated the Oprah in, interview into the, into this six part series, but they didn't repeat a lot of mm -hmm. these same things. 
So when I was watching the Oprah interview year year plus ago, um, I remember thinking like, how did she get to that place of depression, mm-hmm. right? Like that, I was just like, oh, that's fast, yeah. right? That she went from where she is now to really having thoughts of suicide. And I thought this, they did a much better job here, obviously, because they have more time to really explain how, how she got there, right? Mm-hmm. So she's got all these pregnancy hormones and she's exhausted and she's being criticized constantly. And it's almost like the institution is gaslighting her you know, telling her like, you know, they're doing, they're pulling, pulling all these strings behind her. And well, she said she asked for help mm-hmm. and she wasn't allowed to get help because they were concerned how that would look. Yes. And they basically told her, why can't you just deal with it? Yeah. Which is, I think, what they told Diana. And, yeah. and like Harry was used to it. Mm-hmm. He'd been dealing with the institution his whole life. Um, he was trained, you know, yeah, not to really worry about it or worry what people thought or whatever. But to her, it was like just crushing. Like mm-hmm. everybody, you know, like everybody hates me. Yeah. yeah. And then she said she knew that it would stop if she simply wasn't there. Yeah. Which is that's scary. Really, really dark. Really dark. Um. Yeah, that the and I think that Harry in that moment, see, this is why in that moment when he finds out that his brother betrayed him, whether his brother, you know, whether it was his brother's idea or not, obviously, William had to co-sign it. Like Mm -hmm. William had to, you know, say Mm -hmm. yes to it. And that I think for him in that moment, it was realizing like, oh, wow, my brother who I've been through all of this with Mm -hmm. my entire life, the one maybe, and I would think that really, I think his brother has really been the only person that he could ever go to or Mm -hmm. get support from or any of those kinds of things, right? Right. And so if you're Harry, what else are you going to do? You're going to choose your wife. You're going to choose this, you know, choose this woman who's right here with you. Like she's your family now. Yeah, He was barely vested in the institution to begin with, I think. So then they get into the baby shower drama um, of, right, like they write articles about how she had the star-studded, expensive yeah, Paid party. for by her friends yeah, in New York. Yes. Which I'm sure was a nice... Listen, Megan... Th- this is the other thing, too. Megan's circles were obviously enough that they she had a friend who knew harry <laughs> right. right right so i mean that's the thing is is that she does run in these circles and she was on suits i'm sorry that you know you make a certain amount of money you do you can get yeah. certain doors open like she was already in this serena williams is her yeah best friend. Uh, yeah how i don't know how that happened yeah. but i mean yeah anyway so the so may um sixth 2019. I don't know why I wrote that down. Archie is born. All right. And then I write chimp photo. So this was this photo, right? Where they were like, so someone published a photo of... It's a cartoon. A cartoon of two people holding the hands of a chimp. Walking out of the hospital. Walking out of a hospital. And someone said something to the effect of, oh, here are the new pictures of the baby. Yeah, Which is just off. They were giving her grief about, you know. Oh, yeah, that whole thing. From time immemorial, whenever a royal baby was born, they were born at the same hospital and they come out literally eight hours after giving birth. The parents have to come out on these steps with their baby. And Megan 
said no. Well, she didn't say no at first. Well, she was having the baby at a different hospital. And she had a different doctor. Different doctor. She And they said, well, we can't. And she's like, well, can't we do it over here? And they're like, well, we can't secure that location. And mm-hmm. um, and she's like, well, I, I can't just go across town yeah. <laughs> to this to pose on these steps. And they ended up two days later. Yeah. Only two days later. Yeah. You know, you know, having posing for a picture. I don't know where it was in the palace or something. Well, and that was the other thing. They talked a little bit about this on Oprah, but here I feel like I really understand it a lot more, which is because Megan explained it on Oprah that, you know, one of the reasons why she wanted to wait was that she wanted to show the photo to the people that she loved. Mm -hmm. Like she felt like, I feel like my mom should see my child before, you know, my mom and my friends before the whole world. Um, And so this is, this, I was like, oh, this is a little different. I don't know. And again, haters of her will say, see, she's changing stories. She can't get it straight. But I, I thought that story was talking about like, just re- anytime you wanted to release any kind of photo, oh, like maybe it, it was had that? to go through the okay. institution. I felt like this, this thing, they were making it, they were giving her an ultimatum, like, no, you have to do it, mm-hmm. you know, at this hospital. Um, we can't do it at this other hospital. And it's, you know, traditionally, it's literally like eight hours later. Yeah. You know, you come outside and, um, and, and she just refused to do it. Yeah. Well, and also what I love is they showed us like, this is Harry coming out with Diana. This is Kate with her babies. And each time the women look like, uh, you know, I mean, everyone, if you've had a baby, you know, eight hours after having a baby, you're just like, what? Huh? And like to then have to get dolled up and all. Yeah, that. they all have hair. And she makeup. also she also brought up a, another good point of one of the other reasons was she was worried because she was over 35. Mm-hmm. Like she she was worried about having this high risk pregnancy. And that's the other, the other thing is I feel like that's a bit of setting it up. Like why then why did they let her see this doctor? Right. Why couldn't they They never went to her earlier and said, hey, this is going to be a problem if you work with this doctor. We've got to figure this out. You know, it's almost kind of like just waiting for it to all explode and being like, yeah, Megan, sorry. You know, uh, I just it's just I don't know. And then so Megan talks about not doing well um, and they sort of they parallel a lot of this to Diana and Diana talking about you know, mental illness and, um, and, and this is, and this is when they first started having conversations about what needs to happen for this relationship to work. And it became very crystal clear to them that the palace, the institution was not going to protect me. Right. Like no matter what anyone did or say, no one was going to protect her. It wasn't I mean, I think that it, I think it would get better over time, but I think it would it would be that Megan would have to conform, 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 conform so much and be miserable in order for it to work that. And I don't blame either one of these people. They were just both like, well, forget that. I'm, you know, Harry's like, I'm the spare. They've been telling me I'm a spare my entire goddamn life. Like, why am I going to why am I going to, you know, reduce my life to nothing right for what for this i'm never gonna be uh, yeah i'm just gonna be like this figurehead yeah she said it was clear to the media that the palace wasn't going to protect her so then the floodgates just burst and she was fed to the wolves because Mm -hmm. um the palace was not going to tell the media to knock it off or yeah um 
They just didn't care. And then and then this is when the dad starts doing interviews, interviews about her yeah. and the royal family, which really does not help. And I'm sorry, I, I, I got a much better sense of Samantha Markle in this one versus any of the other ones with her. It's just, my God, that Samantha, it's talk about being angry and jealous of your sibling. Yeah. Right. That it seems like, did Samantha also want to pursue acting? I get the sense that she she was a bit of a mess, right? Because she has this daughter, the niece who she had, you know, the mom. So it's, I never knew this about uh, Samantha Markle, but Samantha Markle had her daughter and that the daughter was not raised by Samantha Markle, Mm -hmm. was raised by the father and the father's Mm -hmm. parents. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, Samantha, you know, obviously has a lot going on here. And I think that she's always hated and been jealous of Megan mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And my God, when she became a princess, the floodgates opened. So I think Samantha was in her father's ear. Like, come on, dad. She doesn't totally. care about us. Just get the money, get the money, get the money. Totally. But then they decide to sue the Daily Mail for publishing the private letter. Um, and that was the catalyst to the unraveling. <laughs> yeah, so this is when they go to Canada. Canada, well, they, Vancouver Island. Yeah, so they asked, they went, and they talked about this in the Oprah interview. They went and they said, listen, we will let us move somewhere in the Commonwealth. We'll move to Canada, we'll move to Australia, we'll move here, we'll move there, South Africa. Just let us move. And and if you don't, you know, if you're mad that we're taking... Um, you know, we're the, if we're the supporting cast, then let us be the supporting cast and leave. And then they're like, no, 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 you can't. Yeah, because that, <laughs> that would look bad, I guess. And um, yeah, and you know, uh, throughout this entire um, documentary, there was this guy, Michael Olguin, I think is his name. Is he the one that wrote he Black wrote, and British? Bra- yeah, Black and British. And, you know, he kept interjecting. And this was one of those points where he would interject about how you know, the the uh, royal family, the palace, they're missing such a unique opportunity to yes. connect with millions and millions and millions of people mm-hmm. who live in the Commonwealth who are black and brown. Yeah. You know, and it, like, here's this, this woman who, you know, represents them, um, loves them. Mm-hmm. She, you know, they love her. Uh it was, and it was such a op- missed opportunity yes. to connect with the younger generation, uh, you know, with um, immigrants and uh, people in the Commonwealth. Whatever. And they just fucked it all up. Yeah. Just like we're like, no, <laughs> that's not part of our brand. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and this is the part that is so hard about this, right? Which is I'm sure William felt a tremendous amount of pressure to marry someone like Kate you know, and that he needed to do this. And so Harry's here, the quote unquote spare who, and I think Harry was like, I'm just going to, whoever I fall in love with, that's who I'm going to be with. And that's Mm -hmm. who I'm going to marry. And, and so he, he does this. And really, I do remember when they first got engaged, it was everything everyone was talking about. People were excited, you know, especially here, right? In America. In America. But were they they seemed to be as excited. Yeah, and people were excited. And I think people, I think that people wanted to see this happen because it was like, oh my God, she's an actress. She's black. She's, you know, does all of this work. She's different. She's personable. She's this, she's that, right? Like people were super excited about this. And the, you, they would, they would show all these interviews on the street of 
people talking about it. Like the Brits were excited. Everybody was really excited. And the hatred and the anger that people started to feel, that wasn't the sentiment of how people felt about her. That was the influence of the tabloids. Yeah, it was created. And just pounding and pounding and pounding. It's just like, God, they really, I don't know. They just could not win. They could not win. The only way to win was to do, was to just come Just hang back and do nothing. Do what you're told. Yeah. Yeah, but don't be nice. Be charming, but don't be too charming. Right. Be this, but don't be too much of this. Like, don't be... Yeah, the the bottom line was it, it was just not acceptable in their institution for Harry and Meghan to upstage anybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially William and Kate. And th- that was the bottom line. And there was no... They were just being themselves. Yeah. And they were upstaging these people. And what are they supposed to do about that? Yeah. They were just Nothing. living their life, yeah. being themselves. And and asking, asking, like, just let us go somewhere far away. They even said that they would live somewhere else in the Commonwealth and be self-supporting. Yes. Oh, yes. That's Make right. their own money. Like that, you can't get a better deal than that. Yeah. Yet they were still going to work, you know, <laughs> yeah. on behalf of the... the- well, so Arky. so then, yeah, then they do go to Canada. They they are living in Canada for a while. And this story, this is this is very interesting, because I will say that this entire time, you know, they've never really said anything about the Queen. I always mm-hmm. get the sense, obviously, because this was written about how much the Queen really liked Meghan, that they really enjoyed each other, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that was, of course, bad because the Queen shouldn't like Meghan more than she likes Kate, you know, right. Um, and they talk about that, but this is the first time I heard him say anything about grandma. And I'm, I'm, tr- I, I'm trying to figure out like how much was this grandma's call or not, but they're in Canada and they were going to, he was going to go back and see the queen, his basically grandma. And it got blocked that Harry couldn't see his grandmother all of a sudden, like, you know, and, and that's the part that's also so interesting about this whole thing, which is grandma is the boss but she's his grandma right and so he's communicating with her saying hey can i talk to you about something she's like of course i'd love to see you who bring the family yeah. you know but then that also gives you the sense that if they were able to block him yeah because he wanted to go talk to her about what we can what can we do to make this situation tenable for mm-hmm. everybody and the fact that they could get to her block this mm-hmm. block him I don't think she was really in charge. Mm. That's the impression that I got. I got the impression from this documentary that Charles was mm-hmm. in charge. <laughs> in addition to that being a great television show. Yes. <laughs> Charles in charge. Um, because, yeah, he said that he wrote a letter that got, he wrote a letter to Charles mm-hmm. and talked about all these different alternate plans. He said he did it for two years. He was lobbying mm-hmm. Charles, writing him letters, you know, saying that they would go to New Zealand, South Africa, Canada, um, or they would just relinquish their titles. And what, And I guess this was leaked. The letter was leaked. Mm-hmm. And so Charles kind of stopped negotiating with him. Yeah. Because it would make him look weak. Yeah. So... Um. Yeah. So it's like if, and then the and then the visit to the queen was blocked, and so then they're just kind of like. Whoa. But then what? So what got leaked was right that they would they mentioned that they would take a reduced role, and Harry says that that was the only thing that like he knows that it got leaked because. 
this was never something that was ever discussed somewhere else? Yeah, well, he because he said that if there was no public funds supporting them, then the press would have no really no interest in them and no right to harass them because mm-hmm. that was the press's whole thing. You know, yeah. we, you get paid to live this lavish lifestyle. We get to do what we want to do. And I think those the plans to go to South Africa, I think he said they were actually approved, but then that got leaked. So that mm-hmm. got scrapped. So it's all about how it looks yeah. to everybody else. And so clearly the, you know, the, the palace had lost control over Harry and Meghan mm-hmm. and they didn't want that to come out yeah. to admit that. Well, and then that's when he says, right, that the institution was willing to lie for William, but not for him. And again, it comes back to this idea, right, that they're going to continue to do what Charles, William, these people mm-hmm. that are directly going direct to be line. the direct line, that they're they're going to protect him over Harry. And and Harry rightfully is like, well, forget that. <laughs> right. Yeah. They realize it would never end. And then he did say some, Harry said something about um, and this kind of ties into kind of how dire their situation really was although you know mm-hmm. yes it, i know it's hard to sympathize someone fleeing to montecito know, montecito well actually it wasn't montecito it was, it was la. la yeah um really ultimately helped. montecito but it really was he said that his whole life um his father controlled the purse strings mm-hmm. so i don't think he really had any money of his own yeah. Any control. I know he had an inheritance from Diana. That was probably the only thing of his own that he had. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much that is, but I really think that, yeah, he, he he's had to play this game to yeah. get money, yes. basically. Which is, you know, pretty common in wealthy families. Yeah. But and so this was the part that I thought was interesting is that Harry says, listen, I'm the one that chose it. I chose to leave I made this choice, not Megan, mm-hmm. but Megan gets blamed for it. And then they call it Megxit. And I think that this keeps coming back to the sexism and the racism. But and again, I think the common criticism that you hear from people about Megan is the, that she, you know, that she's that she's an ambitious woman mm-hmm. and she you know, saw she she wanted to be in charge and do things her way. And again, I think that this is so common what happens to women, which is Megan decided and Harry decided we're not I'm not willing to sacrifice Megan's feelings and her life and being miserable for this for this and to show up. And I think this is exactly what he saw with his parents, right? Because Charles never gave two shits about Diana. Mm-hmm. He married her, to, you know, because it was what he's supposed to do and basically told her immediately, like, hey, I'm still having this affair with this other woman, so forget you. And, um, you know, he saw his father do that to his mother and was like, oh, hell no. I'm not going to do this to her. Yeah. But also, again, one thing that I've heard when people are criticizing Megan is a lot of people feel like she's... Um, you know, she she saw herself as this Oprah. She wanted to be like the, you know, the Oprah of England and, you know, change things and do things differently. And she wanted to be all of these things. And it's like really what she wanted was that she saw this opportunity, use this platform to make real change. And again, but women aren't supposed to do that. Women aren't supposed to be ambitious. Women aren't supposed to 
want things. Women aren't supposed to feel, right? It keeps kind of coming back to this idea that every time the two of them stood up for themselves, they were, you know, it was Megan's fault. Now, this was also really interesting. So they figured out that really all of the Megan hate was mm-hmm. a series of bots. Yes, it was interesting. Yeah, 83 accounts made up reached, all of the... Yeah, so it was 83 accounts that reached 17 million people. And they found it was a group of white women, including Samantha Markle. Yeah, it's white middle-aged women. <laughs> middle-aged women. That, that was Megan's nemesis. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. But yeah, I could believe that, that a handful of accounts make up the vast majority of hate propaganda. I think that's true yes. in politics. I think it's true. Yeah. It, and it, But you, so it was so amplified that you think, oh my God, mm-hmm. there's all these people. No, it's really, it's really not. And Samantha Marco claimed that her, her thing got hacked. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, but personally, I don't believe that for a second. That's convenient. Yeah. So this is this is where they get to the fleeing, right? Which is they came back to England March of 2020 to move on. Like to, this was their final. Oh, there it was thing. like their farewell week. Yes, where they did like five appearances in five days, and everybody fawned yeah. over them. And uh, yeah, and this is where Harry says that you know the institution, which you said earlier, which is what it looks like versus what it feels like, mm-hmm. right? Like it's always been about how what it looks like versus what it feels like. So they're on their own. So March 2020, they go back to Canada. The royals basically pull their security. So this is what was talked on the Oprah thing that I was very confused about too, but now I see, right? That they were like, okay, well, you're not part of the monarchy anymore. Bye. Yeah. So it was literally two weeks, within two weeks, everyone had found out where they were. Mm -hmm. Because I guess the first time they went there, no one knew where they were. They were able to keep their location private. But then when they went back for good, the the press found out where they were. Mm-hmm. They had boats out, you know, they're on this island, the boats out in the water constantly trying to get pictures, people jumping fences. And then within two weeks, they also cut off their security. Yeah. They said, March 31st, your security is cut off. Yeah. And, and again, they probably didn't have access to all their money mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, and they were scared. Yeah. You know, they were... They have this baby. People, they have a little... Yeah, a, a people, less than one-year-old. Yeah, they're scared for their safety, their kids' safety. Um, and so that's... Um, I guess that's where Tyler Perry comes in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knew? And then we get these interviews with Tyler Perry. And, you know, the thing is, is that Tyler Perry's been very vocal and honest about his own childhood and... Mm you know, um, his his rough life. And I just think it's so interesting that even before all of this happened, he just saw Megan, mm-hmm. saw what she was getting into and kind of knew, right? Just had some instinct inside of him of like, you need some friends. I so think if he, yeah. something, you let me know. And he's obviously very wealthy and very powerful. And I was just like, well, pretty classy, yeah. Tyler Perry. He said that he, he recognized that um feeling of not being protected mm. or something yes. something along those lines because but... i think he was tyler yeah yeah which i think tyler perry really understands on a visceral level yeah um so yes they have the big escape to tyler perry's house and um then they and then you know she's 
uh, miscarries, which I never knew. I never knew she had a uh, miscarriage from all the stress. Yeah, I remember that. She wrote an article about it in... That's right. Okay. Some New York Events magazine or something. So then there's the infamous Oprah interview. And then, so two or three days before the Oprah interview, the palace opens an investigation of bullying against Megan. And that is, there's nothing more that can, I mean, please. You mean that Megan was bullying somebody? No, 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 no. So this is the way the institution was trying to um, protect themselves, which is, holy crap. She, they're going on Oprah. They're going to start review. She's going to, these two are going to start spill it, spill the tea. Okay. Let's, let's show that we care. So we're going to op- quote unquote, open an investigation. But obviously it's so ridiculous because as we can see, they did nothing for eons mm-hmm. and then um, now they're going to do it. So then we have the Oprah interview, uh, the infamous Oprah interview and um that uh oh was it megan who felt like they focused they didn't focus on they focused on race not mental illness was that her saying that she was surprised or unhappy Mm -hmm. is that harry that doesn't sound familiar Mm, okay but no going back to tyler perry just for (laughs) a second yeah because i found these notes here so he said you know what what drew him to her was he said that he knew from his own experience that family got weird when fame comes and he said that um he likened it to uh, what was happening to them likened it to domestic violence he said he saw that they had been abused cut off no money no security as a way to make you comply and come back oh that's right and that's what he saw with his mother yeah and um this i this struck me um, she said, Megan said that when they left for Canada the last time, she said they really had no plan and they just had 13 suitcases. Wow. That really, that's not a lot of stuff. Yeah. No, that's basically your clothes, toiletries, and maybe a few keepsakes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe it was a, it was a <laughs> harrowing. Okay. It was, it was bleeding. Yeah. I mean, because I could also imagine, right, you don't even know Tyler Perry and you're like, oh, shit, who do I call? Where do yeah. I go? What do that's, I do? Yeah, that's pretty desperate. Like, to, yeah. To, I mean, essentially, if you think about it, you're calling a stranger mm-hmm. and saying, I need your help. Um, and yeah, and I guess it looks like Tyler, really, he paid for the security. Mm-hmm. He, he helped stepped in and did all of this for that. Yeah. And so then even when they moved to Los Angeles, again, it took two, three weeks for the mm-hmm. paparazzi to to find them. Mm-hmm. Once they found them, there were helicopters flying over. He lived in kind of like a canyon and mm-hmm. there were helicopters flying everywhere. And he said, you know, a lot of celebrities live in this yeah. area. I've never seen helicopters here. And um, yeah, they had to build a, a fence around the property because again, paparazzi are trying to get close you know, they don't want them to get into the yard because uh, the yard literally just uh, comes right up next to the canyon mm-hmm. when people are coming in, you know, just total craziness. And then um, I can't remember after that what that would happen or how the, would they eventually get to Montecito. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they end up in Montecito. 
per se. That's why I thought Tyler Perry's place was in Montecito. But I think that she has some friend there. Like, again, her connections. And Oprah. Then Oprah, yeah. she's She manages to figure out, uh, to figure it out. Yeah, so they get this very, um, I don't know if they bought it straight away or if they were just renting it. No, I think they bought it because... Megan talks about in that article that we were talking about in the last episode, in that episode 12, mm-hmm. she mentioned something in that where she was like, oh, we saw the house, but we didn't know if we could afford it. And of course, you have to laugh because the house is 14 million. Um, but, uh, you know, we didn't know if we could afford it. We didn't know if we could do it, but we really wanted to do it, blah, blah, blah. So I think, I think maybe they were renting a place briefly and then they bought a different house. I don't mm-hmm. know. I have no idea. But then um, Philip, is it was he King Philip or Prince Philip? What was his title? His grandfather? Oh, he's Prince. Prince. He was Prince. Well, yeah, but they would call him Prince Philip. Then why would they call him King if his know. wife was the Queen? Because Camilla, they call her Queen Consort. But he was known as Prince Philip. So huh. I don't know. Maybe okay. So he died in April 2021 and he went back not Megan because I think Megan was very pregnant right because mm-hmm. Lilibet was born in June of 2021 um so the daily and then they talk a little bit this is sort of winding up at the end okay so this was this was the part that I was very con- I was very confused about this whole thing about the daily mail this daily mail lawsuit and William's role in in that, mm-hmm. where at the final hours of the Daily Mail lawsuit, someone comes forward, this guy named Jason, who actually claimed to be William's aide. Wait, Jason is claims to be Megan's aide, but he really works for William? Do you remember any of no. Like, it was so weird. I, I, I didn't understand it. So I guess at the last hour, someone comes forward and says, I, Megan shared the letter with me. So therefore it's not, it's not. So tell me what would this, this lawsuit that she has with the Daily Mail, mm-hmm. right? What would she be suing them for? I, I don't know. I really didn't pay attention to oh. it and they didn't really provide a lot of detail that like made me perk up and oh because i feel like they talked about it a lot really a lot. yeah well yeah this was six hours i i i, <laughs> I very and i tuned out in some places well, yeah so this daily mail so she and she won the case she won yeah so she sues the daily mail which is a big no-no right for leaking the father's letter mm-hmm. then someone comes forward at the again at the last hour mm-hmm. who this guy jason he claims to be megan's aide he says that megan showed him the letter or megan that she showed it to him or that it was so therefore it is public right because what she's arguing with daily like mail is of privacy yeah that that basically you you took my mail that was directed to my father and somehow got a hold of it and printed it without my permission mm-hmm. so what would that be like an invasion of privacy. Oh, okay. That's a law? What would you sue someone? What would it be? Invasion of privacy. Oh, okay. Okay. And so this guy comes forward that claims that he saw the this letter or whatever. Okay, so it was already public, public somehow. Quote, unquote. But Harry knows. He's like, listen, that guy is 
is with my brother. Mm. So that was, again, another sort of another riff between the two of them. Because there's been, it sounds like there have been several yeah. riffs that, it, that people always think that it's like one thing that broke them up. But I think it was sort of seeing, seeing Harry basically seeing like my wife and I are drowning and you're not even giving me a yeah. hand. And at the final hour, we're finally on this other side of things and you are trying to ruin this lawsuit for us. Yeah. And William, I think, was just becoming more and more entrenched in the institution. And mm -hmm. yeah, like breaking promises about things he said he would never do and just started getting real sleazy about it. Yeah. And yeah. And then there was the whole thing about they uh, covering up an alleged affair that William Yeah, that outed. was that they didn't talk about this, which I thought was very classy of them. Which is they didn't talk about that, but I guess William had an affair with someone who one of Tate's friends. Yeah, and that's never been confirmed, and that one of the reasons why they kept going back and ma um, bashing Meghan and bashing Harry was as a way to of deflect up yeah. what's going on. Yeah, well, William. I think that was the story swapping. You mm -hmm. know the yeah that practice yeah. but I think that maybe maybe I don't know why it just stuck out in my mind but I, it was this feeling of because I think what's so sad about all this again I keep coming back to this and maybe this isn't really real but I just feel like when you look at Harry you look at someone who was like my god the person that loved you the most died when you're 12 mm -hmm. you meet this woman 20 years later and you think you have you know you think you have a family and then you don't. Mm -hmm. So you think you have a father and a brother that care about you. You think you have all these people, your grandmother, you know, all of this. And that's the only, you know, but but that's not the kind of love that you're looking that, for. Yeah, it's, it's not healthy. It's not, yeah, it's not a good love. And I think that, um, yeah, I just, I, when I think about this whole story, all I can think is this is someone who has been free floating around in the world for 20 years without any without any nurturing any without, grounding yeah or or just you know vent to me or be yourself or do this or mm -hmm. be you you know any of that and he finds that and he and it's there and i think that it's just really hard and painful to see him realize and all these other people they're not they're not for me yeah and the narrative that you're painting is that i'm some awful defector that you know what the this awful wife who made yeah. me do it who made me by the you know by the apron string you know she by the purse string or something what's that yeah. expression like she pulled me along like i'm a dog and really in the end it was harry it's harry that wanted something more and i think wanted wanted what his mother wanted but could never have mm-hmm and I'm very happy for him. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope God, after all of this, yeah. Jesus, if, if if anything bad happens, I don't know if I can take it, but you know what, um, what I want to know is why they call each other H and M because you know, it's not just them. Like, um, yeah, everyone, her, mo her mother calls him H her friends were calling him H, but I think that's been a, a known nickname of him of his for a long time oh really and i think that that's how or maybe she came up with the nickname or whatever it is but and that's how he went by or or maybe it was like secretive you know h they're not gonna say harry you know oh, yeah oh maybe like when they first started dating or something mm -hmm. maybe they just called him h and they just kept calling yeah 
I mean, I've seen people in couples like call each other by their first initials. Mm-hmm. Um, as, but yeah, usually it's not other people doing it too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's always been yeah. his nickname. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry if you guys were hoping for a big Harry and Megan bashing session. This is not the podcast. And if you think I'm a fool for believing Casey Anthony and believing Harry and Megan, then I guess I'm a fool. I don't know what else to say. Well, now I've gotten so deep into this royal stuff. You know, I was listening to a different podcast where they were talking about who was it? Um, Gosh, I'm blanking on the author's name. There was sort of a tell all type book written about uh, Andrew Moore, William and Kate. It was oh. a female author. Is it Tina Brown? Oh, maybe. Um, yeah. So now I'm like, hmm, well, maybe there's probably some interesting yeah. stuff in there. Well, this is the other part about this that's so insane. And again, this is what we do to celebrities as well, is that guess what? We're all human. Yeah. We're all human beings. All people are not one thing or another. We are all good and we are all bad. We can be selfish. We can be mad. We can be a diva. We can be an asshole. We can be, you know, we can be all of these things. And the fact that we put these people just because of their birth, of who they were born to, to this to this standard and that you must be perfect all the time in every aspect of your life and never make a mistake and never do anything wrong right this idea that we keep doing it to them it's um it's insane it truly is and so that's the thing is is that no one is perfect no one is any of these things and you know, obviously we all like gossip and we all like to like, Harry had, I mean, uh, William had an affair. Like, ooh, what's that about? Right. But people have affairs. These things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make William a monster. It's not a great thing to do. <laughs> it's not it's not good for your marriage or Kate, but it's like it, you're not evil. But we, we make everything so black and white. No one can live up to these standards. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what I think harry wants is it just seems to me that he he wants to be normal he wants yeah to be, right the, his favorite times are when he relishes being alone and no one's looking at him. yeah being in the military yeah i mean he he's been he's been like an animal at the zoo yeah. his entire life yeah he doesn't want this life and that's okay because yeah. there's plenty of other people that can yeah pick up the slack well and i also and i'm a little annoyed by them obviously with my feelings about how they're just you know they took 100 million dollars and they're doing this she did her podcast and he did they're doing this and he you know he's an ambassador for these things but it's a little bit of like what else are they gonna do harry cannot go and get a job right (laughs) like okay you know this was the only thing that you guys were ever you know this is of course you're this is what you're gonna have to do Right. Like, yeah, and I forget that. Did they announce like what their next project is? I feel like there was some announcement that, that again, it was going to be some sort of documentary type thing, but maybe not featuring them. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. They're yeah. Fine. Well, I think but, they want to keep making things. And I don't know. I assume Megan's podcast is done. Or maybe does she do like a second season or yeah, I don't know. something like that. But, you know, I, I, I think they do work. I think they do work hard. And um, 
and they do care about I was very impressed with Megan and the uh, that she had reached out to that group that um, the uh, other house burned down. It was a it was a huge housing complex that that went the Gre- Grenfeld fire. Yeah. This Grenfeld housing complex, high immigrant population, low income. Uh, yeah, that, that, that this is what she you know, she showed up. She wanted to see. And again, I think that's her being like, oh, I'm this princess. Like, I believe in charity and I believe in these things. These are this is what I'm going to do. Oh, you don't have enough money. Let's make a cookbook. OK, how do we do this cookbook? Like, I, I do. I do understand that they both are like, OK, how do we use our celebrity for good? Yeah. Which I appreciate. And I think before I was a little resentful, <laughs> but okay. I understand it now. I've moved on. See, from episode 12 to whatever. Yes. So this is progress. Tess has been moved. All forward. right. So before we wrap up, I think that you had something oh. you wanted to. <laughs> well, I'm going to promote. Yes, I want to promote this. I'm going to promote this on all the podcasts. So I this is Tess. I wrote a book. It's called True You, a step by step guide to conquering your quarter life crisis. Um, yes, I am the therapist and I have compiled a, the book is essentially partially my story of working in Hollywood and making the change and coming back to the Bay Area um, and my own quarter life crisis uh, with the stories of my clients that I've been working with. Um, so for the last decade, I have dedicated um, all of my time and energy into 20 somethings, into millennials and Gen Zers and into this time of your life that is really special and unique. So the book is um, my client's stories and my story. And at the end of each chapter, I give you um, the exercises that I use with my clients. So it's a it's a little self-help. It's a little bit of a tale. <laughs> Did you say the name of the book? Yeah, True oh, You. Okay. Um, so it's available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, wherever, wherever books are sold. And I'm super excited about it. It's been a labor of love and I wrote it in 2020 and I cannot believe it took me until the end of 2022. Um, and now 2023 to get it out into the world, but I'm super excited. So if you like this podcast, you like me, you like what I have to say, definitely check it out for you or for the 20 something in your life. Great. I'm going to shorten that in the next episode i don't think it was too long i think it was just right okay well thank you and um so thank you all for listening and if you like our podcast we would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a five-star review and and more importantly tell a friend yes um we've also been covering sister wives Mm -hmm. if you have any sister wives fans in your life or you're a fan you can check that out and um, go if you if you have any suggestions on documentaries or programs or anything that you'd be interested in, please email us at psychlegalpoppodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we're looking for some new things. I think we've beaten. Um, <laughs> yeah, no more Harry and Megan. We beat Harry and Megan <laughs> to death here. I saw that Netflix has a special with Pam Anderson is telling her story. Oh, that would be good. That would be very good. All right. Good idea. Yes. All right, guys. Till next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com